Thank you for coming. Yesterday, we see five people gathered in Washington to do one thing, pray. How many of you know we need prayer? And I thank God for what was in, how that God really blessed, and I believe something stirring in our nation. I, I am reminded that there are three branches of government for America today. Those branches are the legislative branch, the executive branch, and the judicial branch. The legislative branch is to make laws. The executive branch is to carry out those laws, and the judicial branch is to interpret those, those laws. Since the late 50s, 60s, and 70s, especially 1973, when Roe versus Wade, the, the Supreme Court made a decision uh, legalizing abortion. Millions of lives have been lost because of that decision. A lot of leaders in Washington and in America have tried to legislate out of the judicial branch. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but that's what's happened. A lot of laws that have come forth in the last many years uh, has been simply because of the Supreme Court. Uh, yesterday, uh, uh, President uh, has appointed a lady to be on to serve on the judicial court. Amy Connie Barrett, and uh, I am praying that God will help us when it comes to the judicial court, that the right things will be done and his will will be done. Uh, a lot of laws have been passed, I believe, uh, anti-God, anti-country, and we need to see America right in its wrong. And so with the prayers and what was done yesterday in the Rose Garden, I don't know what God's doing. Uh, sometimes he's working behind the scenes and we don't even realize it. So let's be much in prayer, if you will. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. But that's a conjunction that ties something together. When you're reading the Bible, make sure you understand those conjunctions because it's tying something before it to something that God wants to say to us in this eighth chapter of the book of St. John. But, and I'll get to that in just a moment, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. And then they added this to it, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. 
The only recording of the writing of Jesus Christ is here in this chapter. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their, what? Conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. That word, uh, but, ties the 8th chapter with the 7th chapter. And you want to find out what went on in the 7th chapter. Well, let's look at some things that did go on in the 7th chapter. If you look at the very first part of this chapter, for chapter 7, his own brothers did not believe in him. And they made fun of him, the brothers of Jesus Christ. Jesus then at uh, and the chapter teaches at the feast, the t feast of the tabernacles, which was simply a Thanksgiving feast. And many people, many people had come and gathered. And then the people tried to take him because they couldn't agree with what he said and they were very angry at him. But they could not because, and the Bible says this, because it was not his time. Uh, and then later on in that same chapter, the leaders try to arrest Jesus Christ. They sent the temple guards and said, go arrest him, bring him here. Later on, they came back and did not have Jesus with them. The Pharisees, of course, the religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees says, why didn't you bring Jesus with you? And they said this, they said, no man ever spake like this man. And then they were so angry, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were so angry, they said, do you also believe? And then they asked this question, are some of the Pharisees believing? They were so afraid. These religious leaders were so afraid of Jesus Christ because of his power and because of his word and because of his stand and relationship with his father. And see, when people get mad at you as a Christian, they're not necessarily angry at you. They're angry at the God that you serve and the truth that you stand for. And so they did not arrest Jesus. Uh, and then the Bible says, and everyone, the last verse in the seventh chapter, and everyone went to his own house. And that's the reason I wanted to tell you about that because it says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And when we look at what the Pharisees and the religious leaders did in this eighth chapter, we can understand they carried on what they tried in the seventh chapter. They were always trying to 
even kill Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that Jesus went to the temple and began to teach. And then all of a sudden they burst on the scene and they had a woman with her, with them. And they thrust her down on the ground in front of Jesus and all these people that are watching. I want you to notice, if you will, your outline. I hope everyone has one because it is so important to understand what is happening in this particular chapter. In this story found in John 8, Jesus confronts a band of cold, self-righteous prudes and a woman who was guilty of open sexual sin and handles both with wisdom and grace that the story has become, and this story has become, a favorite one for a lot of people. The motive of the Pharisees was not passion for holiness, but a desire to trap Jesus in a dilemma. Now, it is interesting, the questions that they were asked, Jesus Christ, trying to trap it. You remember the other time when they asked Jesus, should you pay taxes to Caesar? And they're asking him, what are you going to do with this woman? Because with both questions, he can't answer either one of them. And they think we have got him with both of these questions. Pay taxes to Caesar? If he said no, Caesar would come down to him. If he said yes, then it would be a different story. And he could, he said, you render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and you render unto God the things that are God. What a smart answer that is full of wisdom. And so we find here that they come at this particular time to trick him to find something to accuse him of so they can carry him to uh, even the greater authorities. First of all, we have a condemned sinner. You notice her sin. You notice her shame. And then you notice her sinners. First of all is her sin. She was caught in the very act of adultery. The word adultery indicates and suggests that she was a married woman. Second of all, her shame. He set, or they set her in the midst. Right in the midst of all of these people. Can you see her with all the shame? Bowed her head, she probably wouldn't even look up. And then you notice her sentence. The law said she deserved to die. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 10 Sin's penalty will come due. You say, I can do this, I can do that, I can sin here, I can sin that. Nobody will know what's happening and going on in my life. Let me tell you, sin's penalty will always come due. Can you see, man? The law requires the execution of this woman. But one of the things that is very interesting, when they extended, we caught her in the very act, one of the things Leviticus and the law of Moses said the man also must be executed. Where's he at? He's nowhere to be found. They simply brought her, and they brought her, as I said earlier, that they might trick him, that they certainly might condemn him. A condemned sinner. Number two, a cruel 
scheme. The devil, Satan, no matter who he uses or tried to use, is always trying to come against you, trick you, trying to deceive you. Notice, if we will, the plan. It was to trap Jesus. But I'm glad that Jesus exposed their motive, aren't you? He said, oh, listen, he knew what was behind this plan. Second of all, the problem. They were not dealing with an ordinary man. About 39 years ago, my wife and I had the privilege of being on the West Coast in our, one of our conferences. And one of our speakers there was uh, S.M. Lockridge, Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge. I love that name. Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge. They said his mother would have named him Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego Lockridge, he said this, but he was always afraid that they would say Shadrach, Meshach, a bad Negro Lockridge. So that's the reason she didn't add that other part to it. But he spoke that night and he spoke these words. Now, he was very colorful, fervent in what he said, powerful, powerful. And you sat on the edge of your seat and just listened to him. I can't do justice to us, but listen. Yeah, listen, the people, the, the religious leaders brought the woman to Jesus. They didn't know who they were dealing with. Let's listen to S.M. Lockridge, what he says about it. He's purely powerful. He's impartial, merciful. Do you know him? He said, that's my king. I wonder, do you know him? That's my king. He's the king of Israel. That's my king. He's the king of righteousness. That's my king. And he's the Lord of lords. Amen? He's endurably strong. He's entirely sincere. And he's internally, uh, internally steadfast. He's morally graceful. He's purely powerful. He's impartially merciful. I wonder, do you know him? He went on to say, do you know him? Amen. Do you know this Jesus Christ? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. Who are we speaking of? Jesus. Jesus Christ. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. Jesus, he says, that's my king. I wonder, do you know him? He goes on to say, that's my king. He's the king of Israel. That's my king. He's the king of heaven. That's my king. He's the Lord of lords. He's the only one qualified to be all sufficient savior, Jesus. And he says, I wonder, do you know him? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the culprit and the pride. He sympathizes and saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. I wonder, he goes on to say, do you know him? He cleanses a leper and forgives sinners. Somebody say amen. I'm getting excited just reading it myself. He discharges de uh, debtors. Jesus, that's my king. I wonder, do you know him? That's my king. He's a king of glory. That's my king. He's a king of kings. That's my king. He's the Lord of lords. He continues on to say, I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. 
He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. And he is irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind and you can't get him off your hands. You cannot leave him and you cannot live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. I couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death could, couldn't have him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Hey, that's my king. That's my king. Amen. Hallelujah. That's who they were dealing with. Amen. The plan, the problem, he ignored them, and he rolled on the ground. But a lot of people wondered what Jesus wrote. Nobody knows. But he took his finger and began to write on the ground. He exposed them. And one of the hardest things to face is your sins. But every one of those men that brought stones to throw at that woman, every one of those men, they had to face their own sins. Because when he wrote on the ground and they kept pressuring him, and he stood up, he said, he, without sin, let him cast the first stone. So he didn't say, don't stone her. He didn't say, let her go. Can you imagine the wisdom of Jesus Christ? And he gives you and I wisdom to deal with our culture today. I'm so glad, I'm so thankful. He exposed them for what they really were. A complete salvation. Notice number three. Jesus faced her. Jesus forgave her. And then Jesus freed her. First of all, he faced her. The ultimate judge, judge stood before her. It ultimately comes down to just you and Jesus. I like that. You don't have to report to a priest. You don't have to give an account to someone else. But one day, you'll come face to face with Jesus Christ. And it'll be simply you and Jesus. Not you and mom and Jesus not you and grandmother, not you and the preacher, not you and some saints. It would be just you and Jesus. And she stood there. Can you imagine? She's supposed to die. She's supposed to be stoned. She's supposed to be executed. And here Jesus, the only one that could have really stoned her because he had no sin. But he looked at, he looked at her. And he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I don't have any. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Aren't you glad that Jesus don't condemn us? But look at what we said. Say, he faced her. The ultimate judge stood before her. The ultimately comes down to you and Jesus. He faced her. He forgave her. The only one qualified to throw a stone refused to. She confessed to Jesus Christ. In verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. She honored him, not just as another person, but as Lord. He faced her, he forgave her, and then he freed her. She has been a prisoner of her own lust and of her own desire. Jesus, however, unlocked, 
unlocked the shackles that held her bound, and he set her free. You see, this is what every sinner receives when they're thrown or at the feet of Jesus Christ. These people brought this pitiful woman and threw her down at the feet of Jesus. Have you ever been down at the feet of Jesus in your sins, in your shame? And you were there with your head bowed and you wondered what was going to happen and you prayed and made him Lord of your life and you looked up, he tapped you on the shoulder and he said, neither. Hallelujah. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Every person that comes to Jesus for salvation receives this new release in life. I love this verse. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, that's another connect word. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, Say it. All things, all things become new. I, I love this verse so much. I wanted to break it down. As most of you know, I love the Amplified Bible. And listen to what it says. Read it with me, if you will. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in him, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature. Look at this. Reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad you're a new creature? Yes, how does that happen? Oh, it's, it, it, it happens through the Holy Spirit. Newborn through by the Holy Scripture. All things have passed away. The previous moral and spiritual condition. What I was, I'm no more. What you were, you're no more. What you were, you are no more. All things have passed away. And behold, new things have become, have come, because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Aren't you glad you have new life? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ has forgiven you? Listen, you may be just like this woman. You may be caught in some kind of sin. It could be all kind of things that you know is in your life. But you think I've got it hid. No one knows anything about it. Jesus knows about it. You may never be taken by someone and brought and thrown down at the feet of Jesus. That this, But the Holy Spirit will get a hold of you one day. The Holy Hound of Heaven will go after you. And he'll drag you to the feet of Jesus. And the Spirit will convict you of your sin. And you can look up in the face of Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. I leave that old life to the past. And that's what Jesus really said. Notice what I have here, number four, as I close. The story blends a lovely note of grace. Neither do I condemn thee with a challenge of high standards, go and sin no more. Brother Matt, would you folks come? It's wonderful to be able 
Listen at me. It's wonderful to be able to call on Jesus Christ. Listen at me. He's just as real here at 3518 Rose of Sharon Road. He's just as real here in this building today as he was standing on those temple steps. He's just as real.